Section 6 of The Case of the Golden Bullet by Grace Isabel Colbron and Augusta Groner. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. About half an hour after the departure of the train, the watcher came out of his hiding place and walked noisily past the gate. What he expected happened. The dog rushed up to the bars, barking loudly, but when the peddler had taken a silk muffler from the pack on his back and held it out to the animal, the noise ceased and the dog's anger turned to friendliness. Tristan was quite gentle, put his huge head up to the bars to let the stranger pat it, and seemed not at all alarmed when the latter rang the bell. The young man who had opened the door for the counsellor came out from a wing of the castle. The peddler looked so frozen and yet venerable that the youth had not had the heart to turn him away. Possibly he was glad of a little diversion for his own sake. "'Who do you want to see?' he asked. "'I want to speak to the maid, the one who attended your dead mistress.' "'Oh, then, you know?' "'I know of the misfortune that has happened here.' "'And do you think that Nanette might have something to sell to you?' "'Yes, that's it. That's why I came. "'For I don't suppose there's much chance for any business "'with my cigar-holders and other trifles so near to the city. "'Cigar-holders? Why, I don't know. "'Perhaps we can make a trade. Come in with me. "'Why, just see how gentle the dog is with you. "'Isn't he that way with everybody? "'I supposed he was no watchdog.' "'Oh, indeed he is. "'He usually won't allow anyone to touch him, "'except those whom he knows well. "'I'm astonished that he lets you come to the house at all.' "'They had reached the door by this time. "'The peddler laid his hand on the servant's arm "'and halted him a moment. "'Where was it that she threw herself out?' "'From the last window upstairs there.' "'And did it kill her at once?' "'Yes. "'Anyway, she was unconscious when they came down.' "'Was the master home?' "'Why, yes, it happened in the middle of the night.' "'She had a fever, didn't she? "'Had she been ill long?' "'No, she was in bed that day, "'but we thought it was nothing of importance.' "'These fevers come on quickly sometimes,' "'remarked the old man wisely, and added, "'This case interests the entire neighborhood, "'and I will show you that I can be grateful "'for anything you may tell me.' "'Of course, only what a faithful servant should tell. "'It will interest my customers very much.' "'Well, you know all there is to know,' said the valet, "'evidently disappointed that he had nothing to tell, "'which could win the peddler's gratitude. "'There are no secrets about it. "'Everyone knows that they were a very happy couple, "'and even if there was a little talk between them on that day, "'why, it was pure accident and nothing to do with the mistress's excitement. Then there was a quarrel between them? Are people talking about it? I've heard some things said. They even say that this quarrel was the reason for her death. It's stupid nonsense, exclaimed the servant. The old peddler seemed to like the young man's honest indignation. While they were talking, they had passed through a long corridor, and the young man laid his hand on one of the doors, as the peddler asked, "'Can I see Miss Nanette alone?' "'Alone? Oh, ho, she's engaged to me.' "'I know that,' said the stranger, who seemed to be initiated into all the doings of this household. 
and I am an old man. All I meant was that I would rather not have any of the other servants about. I'll keep the cook out of the way if you want me to. That would be a good idea. It isn't easy to talk business before others, remarked the old man as they entered the room. It was a comfortably furnished, cozily warm apartment. Only two people were there, an old woman and a pretty young girl, who both looked up in astonishment as the men came in. "'Who's this you're bringing in, George?' asked Nanette. "'He's a peddler, and he's got some trifles here you might like to look at.' "'Why, yes, you wanted a thimble, didn't you, Lena?' asked Nanette, and the cook beckoned to the peddler. "'Let's see what you've got there,' she said in a friendly tone. The old man pulled out his wares from his pack, thimbles and scissors, colored ribbons, silk, brushes and combs, and many other trifles. When the women had made their several selections, they noticed that the old man was shivering with the cold as he leaned against the stove. Their sympathies were aroused in a moment. "'Why don't you sit down?' asked Nanette, pushing a chair towards him, and Lena rose to get him something warm from the kitchen. The peddler threw a look at George, who nodded in answer. He said he'd like to see the things they gave you after Mrs. Kipe's death, the young man remarked. Do you buy any things like that? Nanette turned to the peddler. I'd just like to look at them first, if you'll let me. I'd be glad to get rid of them, but I won't go upstairs, I'm afraid there. Well, I'll get the things for you if you want me to, offered George, and turned to leave the room. The door had scarcely closed behind him when a change came over the peddler. His old head rose from its drooping position, and his bowed figure started up with youthful elasticity. "'Are you really fond of him?' he asked of the astonished Nanette, who stepped back a pace, stammering in wonder. "'Yes. Why do you ask? And who are you?' "'Never mind that, my dear child, but just answer the questions I have to ask.' and answer truthfully, or it might occur to me to let your George know that he is not the first man you have loved. What do you know? she breathed in alarm. The peddler laughed. Oh, ho! Then he's jealous. All the better for me. The counselor was jealous, too, wasn't he? Nanette looked at him in horror. The truth, therefore you must tell me the truth, and get the others away so I can speak to you alone. You must do this, or else I'll tell George about the handsome carpenter in Church Street, or about Franz Schmidt, or— For God's sake, stop, stop, I'll do anything you say. The girl sank back on her chair, pale and trembling, while the peddler resumed his pose of a tired old man leaning against the stove. When George returned with a large basket— Nanette had calmed herself sufficiently to go about the unpacking of the articles in the hamper. "'George, won't you please keep Lena out in the kitchen? Ask her to make some tea for us,' asked Nanette, with a well-feigned assurance. George smiled a meaning smile and disappeared. "'I am particularly interested in the dead lady's gloves,' said the peddler, when they were alone again. Nanette looked at him in surprise, but was still too frightened to offer any remarks. She opened several boxes and packages, and laid a number of pairs of gloves on the table. The old man looked through them, turning them over carefully. Then he shook his head. There must be some more somewhere, he said. 
Nanette was no longer astonished at anything he might say or do, so she obediently went through the basket again and found a little box in which there were several pair of grey suede gloves fastened by bluish mother-of-pearl buttons. One of the pairs had been worn, and a button was missing. "'These are the ones I was looking for,' said the peddler, putting the gloves in his pocket. Then he continued, "'Your mistress was rather fond of taking long walks by herself, wasn't she?' The girl's pale face flushed hotly, and she stammered, "'You know about it?' "'You know about it also, I see. And did you know everything?' "'Yes, everything,' murmured Nanette. "'Then it was you and Tristan who accompanied the lady on her walks?' "'Yes.' I supposed she must have taken someone into her confidence. Well, and what do you think about the murder? The professor? replied Nanette hastily. Why, what should I know about it? The counsellor was greatly excited and very unhappy when he discovered this affair, I suppose. He is still. And how did he act after, let us call it, the accident? He was like a crazy man. They tell me he just went about his duties, just the same, that he went away on business. It wasn't business this time, at least not professional business, but before that he did have to go away frequently for weeks at a time. And it was then that your mistress was most interested in her lonely walks, eh? Yes, Nanette's voice was so low as to scarcely be heard. Well, and this time, continued the peddler, why did he go away this time? He went to the capital on private business of his own. Are you sure of that? Quite sure. He went two different times. I thought it was because he couldn't stand it here and wanted to see something different. He went to his club this evening, too. And when did he go away? The first time was the day after his wife was buried. And the second time? Two or three days after his return. How long did he stay away the first time? Only one day. Good. Pull yourself together now. I'll send your George in to you, and tell him you haven't been feeling well. Don't tell anyone about our conversation. Where is the kitchen? The last door to the right down the hall. The peddler left the room, and Nanette sank down, dazed and trembling, on the nearest chair. George found her still pale but he seemed to think it quite natural that she should have been overcome by the recollection of the terrible death of her mistress. He gave the old man a most cordial invitation to return during the next few days. The cook brought the peddler a cup of steaming tea, and purchased several trifles from him before he left the house. When the old man had reached a lonely spot on the road about halfway between the hunting-castle and the city, he halted, set down his pack, divested himself of his beard and his wig, and washed the wrinkles from his face with a handful of snow from the wayside. A quarter of an hour later, Detective Muller entered the railway station of the city, burdened with a large grip. He took a seat in the night express, which rolled out from the station a few moments later. As he was alone in his compartment, Muller gave way to his excitement, sometimes even murmuring half aloud the thoughts that rushed into his brain. "'Yes, I am convinced of it, but can I find the proofs? 
The words came again and again, and in spite of the comfortable warmth in the compartment, in spite of his tired and half-frozen condition, he could not sleep. He reached the capital at midnight and took a room in a small hotel in a quiet street. When he went out the next morning, the servants looked after him with suspicion, as in their opinion, a man who spent most of the night pacing up and down his room must surely have a guilty conscience. Muller went to police headquarters and looked through the arrivals at the hotels on the 21st of November. The burial of Mrs. Kipe had taken place on the 20th. Muller soon found the name he was looking for, Forest Councillor Leo Kipe, in the list of guests at the Hotel Imperial. The detective went at once to the Hotel Imperial, where he was already well known. It cost him little time and trouble to discover what he wished to know, the reason for the councillor's visit to the capital. Kipe had asked for the address of a goldsmith, and had been directed to one of the shops which had the best reputation in the city. He had been in the capital altogether for about twenty-four hours. He had the manner and appearance of a man suffering under some terrible blow. Muller himself was deep in thought as he entered the train to return to his home, after a visit to the goldsmith in question. He had a short interview with the chief of police, Bower, who finally gave him the golden bullet and the keys to the apartment of the murdered man. Then the two went out together. End of Section 6